Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Is Matthew Kachuk inching closer to being the first NHL player to pull a happy Gilmore and take his skate off and actually stab someone with it? <laughs> I think he's liable to be stabbed by someone else. I think that's what's being coming around here. And the funny part is I actually don't think this was his worst offense ever. I don't even think this was an offense really. I think it was just kind of like a really unfortunate situation. But uh, you tell Paul Maurice that. Oh, Paul Maurice is hearing none of it. Absolutely none of it. And and I don't think he's going to come out of his little bubble on that one. Feel good? Not really. Feel happy about that? Not even a little. Playoff hockey is back and (laughs) so is Brad's bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> my bullshit never left get serious <laughs> yeah that's true uh as we're talking right now um the bullshit that is the qualifying round no i'm kidding i'm happy hockey is back uh columbus and toronto are playing uh which is a sign that hockey has returned uh in its playoff form i know you know the league did its dance for a long time but these are very much the playoffs as is being evidenced by the uh playoff stats being recorded and the playoff atmosphere and everything else like that. And honestly, all pettiness aside, this is its just a nice time to be a hockey fan. I've watched five games in the last 30 hours. Yeah, I, I've done a lot of driving uh, the past couple of days. Went back to Windsor and obviously back here now. And uh, listened to games the whole way down and the whole way back. And did not feel bad about not watching the games because I know... That there are going to be like nonstop games from now until either the cup is awarded or uh, COVID finally takes us all. So either way, I'll die happy. Yeah, I had a four day weekend because I have a lot of vacation days to burn before they expire. And um, I'm coming up on my busy season, so I won't be able to use a ton in the fall and winter. So I just took a four day weekend. So I hauled ass on Thursday and Friday to get every like bit of yard work and housework and errand done so that literally Saturday, Sunday, my plans would exist of sitting on the couch and watching hockey and playing with the kids. That has been my life since noon yesterday. Yeah, I did miss, uh, like I genuinely did miss you live tweeting games. I didn't realize that until um, (laughs) I saw like a series of like six reaction tweets that you put out i'm like oh brad's back brad's back and hockey's back that's good i missed angry tweeting hockey games is it nicer that it's not detroit no because these teams are supposed to be good no no anyone who had a brain here would have expected that this wouldn't have been good hockey so not even good hockey it's the boneheaded coaching decisions that suppose like it makes me feel better about Blashill knowing there are, are are coaches with great reputations on better teams that do just absolutely insane garbage like you're the Edmonton Oilers you have a train wreck of a defense so you know you're going to need solid goaltending so instead of playing Miko Koskinen and his 917 save percentage this year, you're going to start Mike Smith with his 902 save percentage this year. What? Okay, Ryan, you're familiar, more familiar with your own zone than I am. So I'll, I'll chalk that up to goaltending too. I don't back check. So I just, 
<laughs> All that end of the ice is unfamiliar to me. Why do people think Mike Smith is still good when he hasn't been good for many years now? They're uh, they're taking experience a little too far here. I mean, and a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you can't put that whole game on Mike Smith. Sure, five goals went in on him, but only one of them was really his fault, to which I would mostly agree. But that one was right after the Oilers took the lead, and it was so catastrophically bad. How does the team's morale not instantly deflate when your goalie literally gives the puck to the other team? And then it ends up going into his own net off his own ass on a shot from behind the goal line. Like, uh, no shit Edmonton had a letdown after that. And again, could you fault him on the other four goals? No. But the thing of being a, a really, really good NHL goalie is every once in a while you make a save that you're not supposed to. Could, yeah. would If Koskinen had just got one of those, like the high glove one T or the Jonathan Tay's uh, blocker side tap. It's a one goal game. It's a one goal game and anything can happen. Instead, the Oilers get absolutely donkey kicked. The general rule of thumb is that if you score four goals, you should be winning the game. And if you aren't winning the game, your goalie probably could have done more to help you, whether all the goals are his fault or not. Yeah, Mike Smith's on the line for this one. Although, you know who else is? Connor McDavid, because his knock-knock jokes aren't funny enough. He only had three points, had one bad <clears> giveaway, <throat> and he's pretty boring. So, uh, it's clearly his fault. I hate I hate engaging with the obvious, like, Beatty takes on, on hockey Twitter from people with almost universally stupid opinions and decision-making. Uh, but the notion that Connor McDavid could at all be the problem is the most Toronto slash Edmonton media stupidity that is only born of like the galaxy brain levels of this is a useless member of the hockey sphere that never offers anything other than bonafide bullshit like this that was phil kessel hot dog level of stupid yep and uh, i can't even he's too boring yet jonathan taze and Sidney crosby have won what half the cups over the last decade so i don't think that matters but you know my favorite part of this all and i know not a lot of people will be able to share this info but i i have a small glimpse into what Connor mcdavid is like off camera because I did spend an afternoon working with him at the NHLPA Rookie Showcase a bunch of years ago. Guess what? When the camera goes off, he's normal. He is shooting the shit with his friends. Uh, the group I was working with was McDavid, Fabry, Marner, and Strom. And do you know what they were acting like? Every other group of 18-year-old dudes on the planet being immature, being over-the-top excited, loud, rambunctious. There was a bubble hockey table in the room when on the downtime. Uh, I heard Connor McDavid drop several F-bombs and call Mitch Marner unspeakable things, which is normal. So guess what? If your take is McDavid lost him the game because he's boring, it's, it's stupid in two ways. Congratulations! <laughs> You're actually wrong. 
and you're also stupid. You should get an award for that. And the award is just a helmet, a helmet that you have to wear in public so you don't hurt yourself. <laughs> and on that note, I realize we never intro ourselves. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad and I'm angry again. Hockey must uh, be back. Evan uh, has defected um, to Papua New Guinea where he's trying to uh, start a revolution. I'm sure he'll be back for the midweek episode. Ever since we went remote and Evan's been to most episodes, I miss trying to make up excuses for why he's not here. Yeah, it's been a long time. Remember when it was like still uh, pretty newer, the podcast, and in the description of the episodes, we'd write like a different reason as to why one of us was <laughs> <laughs> And what someone actually said, did Ryan really go to Papua New Guinea? <laughs> and I didn't. Unfortunately not, I didn't. Um, besides the uh, qualifying round on this episode, we will, of course, uh, be talking about our prospect profile, uh, diving into some uh, more specific plays that have been the topic du jour over the past uh, weekend, and then just, you know, whatever else comes up. I'm not sure if there's any Red Wings relevant stuff that's uh, happened. Not really. It might be, that might be uh, grinding to a halt if there was even anything coming out, so uh we might have to glimpse past that before heading into overtime, but at the very least, we have plenty of hockey to talk about. So let's actually talk about that Edmonton-Chicago series and use that to paint these whole play-ins with a broad brush. As a lot of people expected, underdogs have come out and taken advantage of the mass amount of variance in the opening games of these play-ins or the qualifying round, whatever you want to talk about. So Chicago, wow just ran train on Edmonton for the better part of the game and then came out on top 6-4. Dominic Kubelik continuing his insane uh, production from his rookie season well into the playoffs now. I think that's the most points from a rookie in their playoff debut. Yes, his playoff debut is the 12th seed. Sorry, sorry, I'll stop making this joke. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's, he's unreal, and Chicago's in a, a really good spot to eventually get, you know, rebuild properly and be good. And boy, could Lafreniere help that, but they're screwing that up and that's fine with me. Um, That game's not on Chicago, though. That game's on Edmonton imploding. You have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Oscar Clefbaum. You have no excuse. You should run train on Chicago nine out of ten times. And it's one game. The Oilers absolutely could still win the series. Uh, although someone did bring up an interesting stat from the 80s when the NHL did employ a five-game series for uh, the first round for a bunch of years. The team that won game one won the series, I think it was 89% of the time, which made those all these game ones super important because no matter how good you are, there's no way around it. You have to win three of the next four. Now, let's put this into perspective in two fronts. One. The NHL might be the most random of all major sports in the world. There is more luck. There is more bounces. There is more variables that could swing a game either way. Let's not forget um, when looking at like odds and stuff like that during the regular season, when the Detroit Red Wings, one of the worst teams of all time, were playing a top seed, the the odds lines was usually like 40-60 or 35-65 on the extreme end. So basically, if you, if the Red Wings played the Lightning... 10 times the odd state at worst, they would win three of those 10. 
So it's not crazy to think a bad team could win three of those five because, you know, teams go on five game losing streaks. So it's got to balance out somehow. Um, Then you couple that with they had one warm up game after a longer pause on hockey than you would get in a normal offseason, at least relative to where teams got bounced in the playoffs or not. This was going to be chaos. Uh, Both number 12 seeds won their first game. A couple other bottom seeds won their first game. Uh, in the round robin, I think uh, for the top four teams, I think the lower seed won both games that I've completed so far. This is not surprising. Like, we made our jokes, like, I know I said in the last episode, ha, Pittsburgh in two. But it's going to happen. It is absolutely going to happen. And if anybody goes, yeah, well, it's great entertainment. Well, why are you mad about it? Well, you're right. It's great entertainment. And from an entertainment standpoint, I am loving the hell out of what I've watched so far. It's unfair bullshit in regards to the draft lottery, because right now we're looking at a pretty decent chance that, you know, Edmonton and Pittsburgh are going to be in the running. Because, again, the 89 percent odds, you got to hard to believe both teams will will overcome that. Uh, One of them probably will. But. It's stupid, and I'm not going to harp on the draft lottery over and over again. I'm getting it out of the way now, so I don't have to talk about it for the rest of the playing round. And that garbage I was talking about before, about how that stupid draft lottery format will ruin, in a lot of ways, the viewing experience of this playing round, is true. I couldn't bring myself to watch the first half of the Columbus-Toronto game before we started recording, because I am angry no matter what happens with the Leafs. That's the team I hate the most, so naturally it would be super enjoyable to watch that series and cheer for Columbus. I now, see. But now I can't. Me. Yeah, but now I can't because if Toronto loses this series, cool, they might get Lafreniere, and I'm even more angry about that. For me, how I feel about Toronto is I'm comfortable rooting for them to win because, you know what, a team that good losing in the qualifying round is just, that's too much of variance for me. Like, Leafs fans obviously would say, um, you know, it's a toss-up. It's a five-game series. And I think they'd be right to say it. As a petty person, I would rather have some hope instilled in them first before pulling the rug out from beneath them. Oh my! Perfect- and I want it to be through Boston. Yeah, my perfect scenario is they advance and get crushed by Boston again in a seven-game series. That is ideal. But, like, I mean, you can't bank on that, right? <laughs> like, we don't know who's going to play who. We don't even know if it's in the realm of possibility they play Boston because we don't know what Boston seed is and we don't know the 5 to 12 seeds. So this We all know. We are we already know who's going to win, which is the loser of Pittsburgh Montreal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You just feel it absolutely. in your bones, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm still pulling for like a Minnesota, an Arizona, a Nashville, like although uh, Arizona did themselves no favors on that front today. Yeah, strong start by Arizona, and like exactly the time, the the goalie situation that we were talking about, Arizona got some really strong goaltending, which was a continuation of their season, and Nashville's poor goaltending season continued with UC Saros uh, having a bad outing. So it's not, um, that's not looking good for Nashville, and especially like you and Evan mentioned last episode, that's not looking good for them having a good rest of their. Uh, you know, this core being the one to make a run for it. I, I would not be surprised to see that team being dismantled if they can't come back in this series. It's funny. You look at how 
I don't want to say inept their offense is because that is selling them short. They, they're not bad. But you look at how like catastrophically average to mediocre their offense is, and then you look at the contract situation and realize, well, they can't do a goddamn thing about that. Duchesne's in long-term, Johansson's in long-term, Yarncroc's in long-term, although it'd be very cheap. They're not going to let Philip Forsberg go. I think Arvidsson's long-term. Like, this is it. This is what they got. Um, they were hoping Saros was the answer in net. Well, not looking great so far. I mean, they did, I think, acquire Connor Ingram, if I'm not mistaken. So, hey, maybe that works out if they can move Rene somehow. I don't know. Probably to Detroit, honestly. But, uh, <laughs> but Ooh, yeah. well, yeah, actually, that wouldn't be bad. I don't think Renee's bad to the point where we're we're getting an asset to take him. I think from that front, Jake Allen makes a ton more sense. But I can see Nashville if they dismantle their team and are willing to part with, but say they're willing to part with one or two of their key uh, defensive pieces. I could see them targeting Detroit for a high end offensive piece. We have high-end offensive pieces? Yes. We're, like we're trading <laughs> We're trading Larkin or Mantha? Well, I mean, that's who they'll ask for. Yeah, because that's the end of the list. <laughs> <laughs> Zadina, I'll bet, will get there, but I think we're even less likely to trade him. So, uh, Yeah, you, you know what's funny? I just thought of this now. Um, there's a... Uh, I did an interview where, like, I... I, I Wrapped us on a mock draft on a podcast that's coming up. We'll retweet it. It's a, a Devils podcast. And it was fun. It was from, like, uh, you know, hockey people from different – representing different teams. And they – I started giving a rundown on the Red Wings. And my mind did that stupid wandering thing. And I didn't try to, like – I don't know. It wasn't my podcast and I was drinking. So I was like, I'm not going to bother filtering this. And I was just kind of, like, following the train of thought. And I was like, yeah, and, and Red Wings fans don't know, like, there's still so much uncertainty. that They don't know what – player is going to be part of the future and you know like and then i start to like name a player and the first player that came to mind was mantha and so i just said mantha and i'm like yeah you know there's no guarantee that mantha will be on this team when it's competitive again of course like that's actually a pretty big risk three years from now let's say but i I think that's hardly the biggest story that red wings fans are worrying about right now but i went with it i said it out loud i went with it in my head i'm like oh well that's gonna sound really dumb when it's on the air yeah you're getting radioed yeah well um no nashville and i don't want to write them off too soon it's just one game but like you said winning three games is a lot easier when you start off with one under your belt so they're gonna have to find a way to both solve the other team's goalie and fix their own and I would hate to have to do that on such a tight timeline. Seven game series is one thing. If they lose one more, you're essentially out of time. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about a more exciting series? Sure. What's the score of the uh, Toronto Columbus game? Still zero zero at the end of the second. Don't care. Oh, that's that plays well for Columbus. It does uh, for anybody who did not watch game one. Of the Rangers and Hurricanes. You make damn sure you go out of your way to watch the rest of that series because that was the best game so far this weekend by a lot. Those Who was it that Justin Williams fought? Uh, Ryan Strom. Mm. Not really sure how that started, but within the first five minutes of the game, there were like three massive hits, a ridiculous goal, a couple great saves. Like, they hate each other quick. Like, Mark Stahl blew up Marty Nichash. Um, someone on Carolina 
blew up i forget which ranger and then it just kept going back and forth and it was just a fantastic game of two teams who play how i like them to play it's amazing carolina like i like the rangers so i I always find myself rooting for them but carolina the way they built their team and the way they play mm, art we are going to have a ridiculously strong blue line we are building from the back end out but we are also going to play very up-tempo high-paced fast hockey Mm, love it they are the anti-islanders they are the anti-predators and i love them for it yeah well you make fun of the islanders they're winning oh yeah no i've cursed them to win the stanley cup and i apologize for this (laughs) because i watched part of their game against uh florida yesterday and i watched most of their preseason game um they are the reincarnation of the 90s devils and you can't Mm -hmm. convince me otherwise it is just it is effective i can't argue it that's how trots gets it done but they don't have an Ovechkin or a Backstrom or Kuznetsov to to make up for it. They are a boring ass team to watch play hockey. Holy Christ! They are what Jeff Blashill hopes the Red Wings to be, which is just ultra low event, super conservative, super tight hockey. And I pray that is not what the Red Wings turn into. I mean, if we're winning cups, I won't complain. But yeah, but yeah, God damn, am I rooting against them? You know what I've noticed is that. No team has looked totally faultless. And that makes sense. You're watching teams that are either the lower-seeded real playoff teams or teams that aren't really playoff teams. So you're not going to get, you know, flawless. These teams are dialed in, and and they've spent their whole seasons preparing for this hockey. Did you Um, not just hear my spiel about Carolina, Ryan? (laughs) Like, for example, Pittsburgh-Montreal. I still think Pittsburgh was a stronger team that game. They were out shooting them 2-1 to at late in the second period at one point. Montreal took advantage of their opportunities and Montreal, you know, had as good of a game as they could have expected from themselves and it came through. And that's exactly why teams like Montreal have a chance. Um, And that leads to fun hockey right now. So it's, it's not always fun hockey. Sometimes it's just like, holy crap, can you guys put a pass on the guy's stick? Like, can you hit the tape once? But a lot of the times it's like good back and forth hockey. You don't have, um, you know, Pittsburgh's a way better than team, better team than Montreal. But if you're a neutral observer, you like the fact that the game can remain close. I think things are going to level out a little bit, and you'll see dominant teams continue to dominate or dominate more effectively. And over the course of 60 minutes, as you get towards the end of these series, but for the whole qualifying round, I think is going to be good fun to say the least. Um, I'm really curious to see how uh, Vancouver Minnesota goes tonight because I think if Minnesota comes out and wins, that could maybe flip the script on what a lot of people expect. And then, of course, the the results of the Leafs and uh, Blue Jackets tonight. Well, Vancouver will be a case study in the youth movement. I never thought I'd see the day, too, uh, talking about Pittsburgh-Montreal, where Claude Julien would be the one just embracing the rookies. Uh, I'm pretty sure by the end of the game, Nick Suzuki led all Montreal forwards in ice time. At least he was a good chunk of the way through the third period. And I, I can't lie. I'm the type of person, I'm petty to the point where uh, while I was watching Nick Suzuki play the game of his life in the playoffs against the Penguins, leading the Canadians in forwards and ice times, and having a key goal, and I'm on Elite Prospects looking at Michael Rasmussen's stats. It's mm. I knew you would be. I w- was watching the <clears throat> game, and I knew you would be. <laughs> mm. I will never forgive Tyler Wright for that draft. Not just Rasmussen, he'll be fine, but like that whole draft. Oh, my God. But um, that that will go down in my mind. Like When we look back at the... 
at the rebuild whenever it's over as the draft that delayed everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have to pick a draft that delayed you everything. Had, they had, what, 11, 12 picks? And they hit on none of them? None? <laughs> you There's a guys- reasonable chance right now Gustav Lindstrom is the best player they picked in that draft, and he probably still should have went like 15 picks lower than he did. And he was in the second round. Like, oh, they just whiffed on every pick. Rasmussen will be an NHL player, and he'll be fine. But they could have had Martini Chesh. They could have had Nick Suzuki. They could have had Eric Brandstrom. Like, Jesus. And the normally, it's, it's revisionist history, right? Because... We can still sit here and go, oh, yeah, we all universally would have picked Philip Zadina and not Quinn Hughes. And, yeah, it sucks we didn't get Quinn Hughes, but it was the right call at the time. Red Wings fans, by and large, hated that pick when we made it. With, again, all due respect to Michael Rasmussen. I like him. He's a good player. He'll be an effective third liner and a key power play guy. Don't get me wrong. Do not hate Michael Rasmussen. I hate the pick. You know how you know that was a bad pick? And that everybody, like a lot of people didn't like it, was that that was still at the time where we weren't not speaking out like our opinions, but we we still had to qualify them heavily because a lot of people just still weren't willing to hear anything negative about the Red Wings. It was coming, it was towards the, the later end of that. And I remember that draft, post draft being the first time, one of the first times where we really unloaded on some of the stupid decisions uh, that Red Wings management was making. I I remember us sitting down going, all right, that's it. That's like, let's do this. Uh, (laughs) We don't like, there's no other way to say it other than this just wasn't the right pick in our opinion. And again, not a slight on, nobody wants to see Michael Rasmussen do bad. And I still think he has, could be an effective player on this team, but it's just hard to watch everything that Brad just mentioned. You know, again, cause I'm this petty. I went back and I, uh, I looked where I had Michael Rasmussen ranked in that draft. Where? Take a guess. 15. Nope. 25. Nope. Low. Well, better than 25. 18. Nope. 19. Nope. 21. Nope. 23. Nope. 24. 22. You skipped over it. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. We picked him at nine. <laughs> yeah. And again, fine player. Fine player. But still. Oh, man. I am. I am. It's not to say that picking a player that's not one of the consensus ranked picks at that spot is always a bad decision. Um, and that I don't think that was the biggest thing that we harped on. I think what we mentioned was uh, it was a way off the board pick and you need to have a pretty good reason to do that because it's not like the consensus picks are uninformed. Uh, and a lot of the reasoning put forward was how impressive he was in his interviews and how strong his attitude was. And I just remember thinking, holy shit, man. Attitude doesn't score goals. Like He might work really hard, but so does Luke Lindenny, you know. There's plenty of plenty of hard workers on this team. And it's, again, Rasmussen has a lot of skill. Like He definitely has a lot of skill. And I'm not saying he's going to be a, a fourth liner. But um, that was the part that irked me a lot. It was just a lot of talk about character. I'm like, you're picking ninth overall at the beginning of your rebuild, which is already three years behind. We cannot be picking for character with talent on the board. Admittedly, my preferred pick at that spot was um, Gabe Velarde. And he at least looks like he could be decent still. Um, Avoiding the fact that I just 
had to hold it a hiccup and nearly died. Um, he gave Velarde in like he, his back was injured until like what, six months ago has had a great, you know, little bit of time back since he really hit his stride just this past year, I believe. But that was a, one of those anomalous picks where it looked like he might not even play. So it, it's a crap shoot and you can never really get angry at the picks until you know some things for sure but you can have your opinions and you can weight them certain ways and sorry that was a poor way to phrase it you can absolutely get angry at the picks if they are just off the board for all the wrong reasons but you'll never know for sure until a little while down the road but yeah no no one can really be surprised to see a lot of the players ahead of Rasmussen performing how they are and and understand too that when you get angry and you sound off Sometimes you'll look back at it in a few years and go, wow, I was very wrong. And other times you'll be like, I nailed it because we were angry about the Rasmussen pick. And based on how Nick Suzuki and other guys behind him are playing, we were right. But we were dead wrong about when we got very angry about the Red Wings picking Mo Sider. So it can go both ways. But we won't point out the times we're wrong. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> we're only going to point it out when, oh, yeah, we nailed that one. Okay, so of the first round or first game upsets, so that's Chicago over uh, the Oilers, Montreal over Pittsburgh, Arizona over Nashville. Um, which one do you think has the most potential to shine through and have it actually be a full series upset? Well, I'm not going to say Montreal because Pittsburgh was the better team. Pittsburgh yeah. was clearly the better team that one. Uh, Edmonton wasn't. Chicago was the better team that game, and I would argue Arizona was the better team as well. So I have more faith in Arizona to keep it going, but Edmonton looks so fucking atrocious defensively. It's hard to not pick that one. And by the way, you want, you want to know one way to ease your mind about a trade you didn't like at the begin with? Uh, when he plays like three and a half minutes or whatever it was that game, because Listen, Tippett, I know Athanasiu might not be your favorite, but he sure as hell is better than some of the guys you were deploying out there. When you're down four goals, maybe maybe play the offensive guys. Maybe just a thought. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I think I agree with you that Nashville has too much to turn around. I think Arizona has the strongest chance. You never want, like, my first thought watching Connor McDavid in the preseason was, and I think I said this on air, like, this guy might just drag them all the way to the cup finals. But they really, they just, he just needs the littlest amount of support. And I think it exists on the team. I don't think they have to be as bad as they were between the pipes and at, on the blue line as they were that game. But it's hardly a sure thing. Experience is the most overrated thing in hockey. Miko Koskinen better start next game. And I am super curious to see if they have another defensive train wreck like that, even if they win the game. But they're they're poorest defensively, so let's say they win one like six four or something like that. Man, they gotta give Bouchard or or Broberg or somebody a shot. Like they cause their defense should be good though. They have Clefbaum who's good. Ethan Bear had a great year. Like they're they're not completely devoid back there like they have been for years. And they have depth and options. Uh, I don't even think Caleb Jones played last game, and if he did, I didn't hear his name at all, so he wasn't getting a ton of ice time. Like that game, that first game was on Tippett. They were sloppy and disorganized, which most teams are going to be, but you got to at least keep it within reason. So it's still on the coach. And Mike Smith should have never started. 
That, like that's you, people blaming McDavid and Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins and all those. It's stupid. McDavid had three points. Drysaddle had what two? Like yeah, no. If 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 I'm a forward on a team and I get three points and my team loses, I'm walking into that room pissed and yelling at everybody else. I believe uh, that experience is overrated in general and how it's handled within the NHL. I believe it is an underrated asset in the playoffs for every position except for goalie. I think in the playoffs, you subscribe to the notion that you should probably be doing all season with your goaltenders, which is ride the hot hand, especially in the playoffs because every game counts and you do not have a lot of time to make up for mistakes, especially in a five-game series. So like you said, I don't really get the Mike Smith over the Koskinen pick and net. Koskinen had a better time over the course of the season. Um I get the the idea of what Tippett might have been going for, but it very clearly backfired, and I don't think they have any choice but to start Koskinen this next game. Not to say Koskinen's going to be a guaranteed thing, but it's a better shot at least. Uh, I'm no math major, but 917 is better than 902. Yeah, that's true. Um, We are not going to harp too much on just the one law. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, we're not going to harp too much on just the one loss um, of these higher-seeded teams, but let's just pretend for a second that they are bumped out. Edmonton, Pittsburgh, Nashville. I think, obviously, Nashville is the one that you would be the least mad at winning Lafreniere. Yes, com- comfortably. Uh, no, no. Edmonton would be the team I would be least mad at because I like the Oilers. I like watching fun hockey. And Drysaddle McDavid Lafreniere would be super fun. And I would like a good team, a really, really good team, not named Pittsburgh or Toronto, to get him so the NHL realizes how stupid they are. I want this to blow up in their face in spectacular fashion. Yeah, I want that same thing to happen. And I don't want it to be a Chicago. And I don't want it to be a... Well, the thing a, is- a team a team that's had a lot of luck, but it's just lower seated right now. That way, the NHL can't say, "Well, look, it's a bad team, and now they get to turn it around." No, like I don't want any of that crap. So, so here's the thing: this is where you got to understand the difference between upset and angry. I would be upset if the Chicago Blackhawks got Lafreniere because I don't like the Hawks. I would not be angry because it is entirely justifiable that a bottom nine team in the league wins the draft lottery. Absolutely. So yeah, whatever. I I could same with Montreal. I'd be upset, not angry. If Pittsburgh, Toronto, any of those teams get it, I'm angry because it's stupid and never should have happened. So Edmonton is the perfect mixture of angry and being the right kind of poison to hopefully kill this stupidity once and for all. Exactly. You know the system is bad when I I'm watching hockey with my dad at home this weekend and. My dad doesn't get too caught up in prospects or anything. He he understands who they are and like he'll follow them and he'll watch the World Juniors, for example. But he doesn't really like when we were mad at the Rasmussen pick. He would never have been like oh rah rah rah. He would have been like ah, well, I mean, a pick's a pick. And the first thing he said when the Montreal Pittsburgh game was on and they started referencing like what if Pittsburgh might win the lottery, all all I hear is, how the hell didn't they give that pick to Detroit? I don't understand. This team had like 17 wins and they are not getting that pick. He's like, How the hell? <laughs> when Billy's saying that, you know you've, you've messed up big. 
The galaxy brain doesn't always work. No. All right. Uh, speaking of prospects, prospect profile for today, Brad. It is going to be Braden Schneider. You can take us away. Imagine Jake Sanderson, <laughs> but more boring. I present to you Braden Schneider. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm selling the guy short. Braden Schneider um, is basically at this point viewed as how Mort Sider was viewed last year at this point. Good skater, good physical game, really responsible, really good defensively, uh, almost devoid of offensive upside. Not that he's incompetent, but like even at the at the WHL level, just enough to get by. Good first pass, doesn't bring anything dynamic to his game. I mean, we were all wrong about Morris Sider, and he did have an offensive game, but he also was playing in a German men's league like eight minutes a night, so he didn't get to showcase it. Braden Schneider is a top defenseman on a, in a junior league, so he should have showcased it at this point. So I'm not betting on the Mo Sider surprise when he gets picked. Now, if you talk to most people, he's a mid to late first round pick. I personally have him in my second round, but um, like when we had Max and Prashanth on here for the mock draft, I think it was Max picked him. It's like, I think he's going to play. I think his defensive game and his skating and physical game are good enough that it will get him a regular job in the NHL. He will be a air quote safe pick. I think, I think that will be as a number five, six defenseman. And I don't think he's going to play any sort of critical role on the team he plays because I, although his defensive game is great, I don't think it's like elite, elite to the point where he's going to play on the top pairing just to shut guys down. Do not see that happening. So if dried buttered toast was a hockey player, it would be Braden Schneider. uh, Braden Schneider is what I fear Jake Sanderson would be if Detroit pecked him. And that's not. It's not meant to be a slight on Braden Schneider because if Detroit ended up getting this guy in the second round, I wouldn't be upset. I'd be like, I'd say, wow, they're they're filling out their defensive depth. Here's a guy who could turn into a reliable defender. Like you said, good in his own zone. I don't think he's completely um, decrepit offensively. Like you mentioned, he's got a good first pass. He's smart with where he moves the puck. He can move his feet. It's not a lot of offensive prowess, but he's not exactly going to hold the game back. He can be a part of the play moving forward. He just won't drive it. Uh, and that's okay. Um, you're looking for a defender who's not like your number one defenseman or even if this guy's on the second pairing, that's fine. If he's extremely reliable in his, in, in his own zone, he can eat some minutes. Not everybody's going to be a superhero offensively from the blue line. It's not going to always be his role. Um, yeah, I think a more boring Jake Sanderson's a good way to put it. And I also think there's a chance Sanderson is like there's a little bit of inflation of his offensive abilities go- going on. I don't necessarily believe that. It's just, it's always such a dicey game when you evaluate a prospect's offensive abilities and you're like, yeah, well, it's not terribly strong. He's not, you know, completely deficient, but it's not always there. And then all of a sudden you start picking and, and highlighting and cherry picking uh, his really strong offensive plays whenever they happen. And you're like, oh, maybe this is like an untapped wealth of offensive potential from this defenseman. Uh, and we can rely on him to be something better. I'll admit it. I still have a like requisite amount of, anxiety about more Sider's offensive ability i'm worried it'll plateau well before wherever his defensive ability spikes to and that he'll never be a good offensive contributor i'm not i wouldn't bank on it but i don't think it's completely out of the question and so whenever you draft 
guys like Sider or Schneider or Jake Sanderson, you have to really be sure about what you think is still left in the tank for them to develop and what you think is maybe being a little bit overstated. I know I've, I've turned this into a, a <laughs> Jake Sanderson prospect profile rather than Braden Schneider, but it's honestly a compliment to Schneider because I think he's an ex- like a really, really apt defensive defenseman. I think his toolkit for his size is going to be attractive for a lot of coaches and a lot of teams. If this is a guy that Detroit takes in the second round, I'm very happy. Maybe not with pick 32. No, not with 32, and there is zero chance he is getting all the way to their second second round pick. So in my mind, I don't think Braden Schneider is an option for the Red Wings. I don't even think he's going to be there at 32 because there are teams no. that fall in love with guys like this all the time. I could, I could legitimately see him going as high as 15. Um, But again, I don't think it would be the right call. And again, some people will point to, well, yeah, he had 42 points in 60 games in the WHL. That's not bad. He missed out being eligible for last year's draft by five days. He is one of the oldest players in this draft. He is an overager who's played three full WHL seasons, and he's up basically a point six point something uh, per point per game player in a junior league. The offense will not come at the NHL level. History shows that defensemen who in their 18-year-old season in juniors don't even creep up near a point per game, they do not turn into point producers in the NHL. They just don't. Yeah, I'm uh it's like Brad said, teams fall in love with this kind of player all the time. I mean, one went six overall last year, so I agree. He's not gonna make it to thirty two. And honestly for a team that has a lot of other things figured out and they're picking anywhere from fifteen to thirty one and they just need to round out their defense, wouldn't be a bad pick. You know who would love a Braden Schneider? Toronto Maple Leafs. Right? And they could use it with their first. <laughs> yeah. Ah, suck it, nerds. Oh, they're losing. Are they? Yeah, one nothing. Hell yeah. Let me go to Twitter <laughs> and watch everybody melt down. Yeah, Braden Schneider, um, I think I actually think he's going to be one of the if he's not already, um, new hot things in the world of let's pump up uh defenseman's consensus rankings because Teams need defensemen, and they will try to make, um, you know, put lipstick on a pig. It's not an apt comparison because he's a very good defenseman. He'll be a good pick. But, again, defensemen tend to be uh, inflated. Who scored? Cam Atkinson. That was not a good goal. Freddie's going to want that one back. Speaking of Owen, I'm sure the Leafs fans will be very forgiving. Yeah. We forgot to talk about uh, the Kachuk incident. We kind of did, but not really. I, like, what? how deep could we go into this? It wasn't malicious. Matthew Kachuk does malicious things. This wasn't one of them. Yeah. Um, who was it? There was there was a a panelist on, I forget what, what network, was talking about it. A former NHL player is like, there's not enough. There's, there's a handful of players on the planet who are even good enough skaters to be able to do that on purpose, let yeah. alone... And Matthew Kachuk is not one of them. Skating is not his forte. It it sucks. It happened. Was it the worst argument you could have here towards Matthew Kachuk is it was careless and reckless. Should he have even taken that line? Yeah, you you could argue no. It was maybe a bad line, bad play, because you could see from a mile away what Shifley was going to do. But that whatever, that's... 
careless isn't the same as malicious. Yeah, I that whole skate skipping off the ice thing is something where the moment it happened, I went, oh, I know exactly what that's like. And I don't think Kachuk was out there trying to cut anyone with his blade. The skate bouncing and skipping off the ice is a very real thing, especially when you are taking um, a strange line like what Brad mentioned. Um, it sucks to see, obviously. You never want to see anyone hurt like that, especially you don't want to see a team lose a key, key player like Shifley. But they have a... Teams will have an endless amount of reasons to be mad at Matthew Kachuk. Like, very justifiably. I just don't think that's one of them. I mean, I, I'm not going to tell Winnipeg fans to not be mad that the play happened, of course. I, if I was a Red Wings fan, I'd be livid. You can argue the uh, the whole Mantha Muzzin thing was within the same vein of, like, that wasn't the intended outcome. And I'm still angry about it. So if you're a Jets fan, of course, be pissed off about this. But I don't think Kachuk did it on purpose. Um, he answered the bell with Wheeler afterwards as well. So Winnipeg's got to find a way to get through it and, and make it through the series, even after losing both Shifley and, and Line A. All right, Brad, anything else before we get into uh, overtime? Nothing that I can think of. All right. We are going to start with the Ovechkin Ovechkin Stand Club. Sorry, overtime. We're going to start out with Patreon, where our patrons get their comments read out on air as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. Ovechkin Stand Club says, It's sad since I'm a huge Caps fan. I was so excited when Mike Green signed here. He was one of the better defenders for a few years. Who was another good signing you thought uh, who were kind of a letdown? Keep calm and witness greatness. Good. Uh... I never liked the Darian Hatcher signing, and obviously that was a letdown for different reasons. But I know that was a big letdown for the Red Wings way back. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we hated the Stephen Weiss signing when it was made. and I wanted more from Weiss. Yeah, no doubt. I want more from Nielsen. <laughs> I know, and I, and I don't think we loved either of those signings when it happens, but I don't think we were also kicking up a stink about either of them, and both have turned out to be far worse than we, we had thought. Uh, Quaz says, oh boy, is Montreal going to do the thing? I really don't know what to feel if they do. Oh God, and Chicago one? Chaos. Unpopular opinion, I like the Flames unions with the black logo more than the classic one. Uh, uh, no. I, I can see getting behind the black logo, but just the piping and all the black outlines. Ugh. Kyle Sanders says, hello, uh, it is I here to talk about all things. First, I'm a little upset that Red Bull went for the pit stop instead of going for the gusto. It's an understandable decision, but it still breaks my heart. Also, the perpetual cock cheese that is the Hulkenberg saga. Hopefully, he'll be able to pull some things together for next weekend. Moving on to other developments, drive, drive on down that field, men of the scarlet and the gray. Oh, jeez. Don't let them through that line. We've got to win this game today. Come on, Ohio. Smash through to victory. We cheer you as we go. Our honor def- defend. We will fight to the end for Ohio. Yuck. I'm going to go take a shower after singing what I presume to be the Ohio State fight song. Yuck. Joe D'Elia says, sup guys, I'm on this weekend crew uh, for my job and I was super pumped all day for hockey. Got home at 11 p.m. just in time for the Jets-Flames game. Turned on the game and the first words I heard Pierre Maguire say is juicy. Insert Spongebob, I, I'm going to head out uh, <laughs> meme. I turned it off and went to bed. 
That's the right call. That's Pierre. Alex says, of the top-end defensemen that are going to be available during next year's draft, which one are you most excited about? Power, Lambos, Clark, Hughes? I feel like the Wings have a better chance of picking an impact defenseman in next year's draft rather than trying to get one in this year's. I personally think that Power is going to be the sickest of the group, but Brad, please tell me why I'm wrong. Thanks for the pods, boys. Stay safe. I don't know. I was going to say Power or Lambos, honestly, so I, I can't really argue with you there. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with all of them. I worry about Hughes maybe riding on the uh, name value train a little bit there. Um, every set of siblings always says that the younger one or the next one up is the best one of all of them. It's a pretty common thing. They want their siblings to be drafted as high as possible. Um, I'm big. Yeah, same power in Lambos. I don't pretend to know. Certainly this far out, I have not spent nearly as much time on next season's draft class as I would have by now because this year's draft hasn't happened yet but i agree i I think with the forward talent available this year and the presumable defensive talent available next year i wouldn't want to see detroit skip over that talent and try to take a defenseman this time uh c nod says hockey is back also we're seeing in real time the penguins getting alexi god damn it also how well coached are the islanders they play smart and pass well and never look flustered in the third with only five defensemen they're so well coached i actually hate it um yeah it's what trots gets out of that team is insane because i don't think they're a bad team but you really do have to squeeze the 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 juice for all it's worth and he's done that for two seasons now with the islanders so good for him i think that's an extremely difficult thing to do uh evan beckner says the best thing i've noticed about the hub arena so far is the new camera angles they're experimenting experimenting with that we don't usually see seems to be a lot more direct above angles and the wired cameras are great too would love to see this kept once normal play resumes i really like the the new camera angles i don't think you'll see too much of it while um normal play resumes because it probably impedes a lot of vision um that said that was one of the first things i noticed even if you don't like all the angles i think it's it's you might as well be doing something and the nhl i think has done a good job of saying oh well we can't have normal games so let's at least make it interesting for people uh joseph fournier says hey there fellows i'm glad the nhl is back and it looks like they did it the right way but these guys are rusty the flyers bruins tilt was the only good game i've seen kevin hayes looks solid out there do you have any idea how bad the rest of the league needs to be playing in order for me to say that I thought Dave Tippett was a great coach, but not anymore. He just deployed a defense first traps with young, obedient teams, but has no idea what he's doing with the skilled Oilers lineup, leaving Mike Smith in for the second period. Athens to see you on the fourth line. Gotta hand it to the league for giving Matt Dumba and the Hockey Diversity Alliance a voice at the front of these games. Glad to see the league finally being proactive on anti-racism. Slashed on the Achilles on a sneaky, uh, dirty play by Matthew Kachuk. Slap a stay fresh cheese bag on it. It should help ease the pain. So should inevitably drafting Lafreniere. Stay fresh cheese bags. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Tippett's benefit of the doubt says Tippett might just need another game. But <laughs> like, like he mentioned, there's a lot of individual decisions in there where you're like, "Ooh, wow, Ken Holland really is your GM, huh?" Yeah, I mean, God, he made a lot of old school decisions that, you know, anybody with a brain can go, yeah, that's not a good, good way to start. And then it was not a good way to start. 
Uh, two out of five stars says good day dead duds the hockey it is back unfortunately that also means pre-game national anthems are back which is total nonsense at the best of times let alone in empty arenas i don't get it now pause for the outrage from the puritanical patriots because i'm a special song heck off national anthems i was forced to agree with cop guy online yesterday and it honestly sucked prick guy why do you hate the flash older panthers jersey were you attacked by a panther, or do you need to update the prescription on your glasses? It was, however, thankfully balanced out by hashtag our islanders doing the thing and getting that W, which angered cop guy. I It's just the logo. The logo for me doesn't do it. It's, it's not a sports logo. Anyways, I also take. think the jersey itself isn't objectively nice at all. I think you're just nostalgic for that era of jerseys. Um, have you chosen any teams to bandwagon yet? Or are we, are we waiting until the actual playoffs begin? Um, well, I'm, I always bandwagon Vegas and since they're in the actual playoffs, that'll be, that'll be fine with me, honestly. Yeah. I might wait till the actual playoffs begin. There's just 24 teams in right now. So I had too many teams that I'd be comfortable rooting <laughs> for. Um, Jersey time, Thrasher's jerseys, rank them. Stay fresh cheese bags. Oh, wow. Thrasher's, um, uh, their best two were their original two, and then the baby blue one, and then the stupid uterus monstrosity that they tried to employ after that. I forgot. Oh, and that stupid one where they just wrote, was it Atlanta or Thrasher's and the, with the number under? Every team that did that. I hated it. That I hate Reebok, it. They still do it in the NCAA religiously. I hate it. I hate it so much. Reebok unleashed that onto us. Um, I'm trying to find the different. Yeah, the the one shoulder is by far my favorite one. I like their uterus one. I thought that one was kind of cool with the bird. And then whatever other order you want. And then the Thrasher's word mark by far the worst. All right, we have time for some Reddit questions here. Uh, all I see is Gaines says normal AHL season or no. From what I heard, the AHL doesn't really make ends meet without ticket sales. Shortened season, canceled season. Um, I don't know. I don't want to presume to know too much about how the AHL operates. I believe that they need people in the seats to, to make money. Will they be subsidized a little bit by the NHL? Will they run a loss for a year? I don't know. I don't. Can they afford to not play? Will the NHL teams let that happen? They will have to be heavily propped up by the NHL because, yeah, they can't not have an AHL. Teams need their prospects playing somewhere, and they need emergency players. Like, you're not going to carry a roster of, of 30 players around for an entire season on the off chance guys get injured, right? So I, I don't see a reality where they don't have an AHL season whether that lines up exactly with the NHL I don't know can't say I wouldn't be surprised if the AHL started first truthfully I just I view December right now as ambitious I don't know there's already like things are hardly have hardly calmed down and we haven't even reached flu season yet so I, I think we're just that's a placeholder date until things get pushed away and I think the NHL season is under similar threat unless they find some kind of expanded bubble solution again i i just don't know that that is going to happen how they want it to um i don't know 
I don't know. I don't. I'm not too optimistic about the AHL season. Some kind of solution is going to be found. A lot can change between now and then, but a lot has to change. Uh, what about Matthias uh, Brume? He says, "I'll help you out." Matthias Brume. Matthias Brume. Yeah. Will he make it out of? Uh, will he make the wings out of camp back to Sweden? Um, or maybe the Griffins, although it might not be an option. Keep it up, and I might have to patronize your asses. Thanks. <laughs> I I would like to see him in Detroit because, again, it goes back to the old saying, I'd rather the Red Wings start playing young players who might be bad instead of old players we know are bad, but I'm not optimistic. I get I very much get the Griffins vibe on this one. Uh, Meister Brow says, have you discussed various cap trade scenarios yet? Yep. And we will continue to, I know we have gotten away from that the past couple episodes, uh, goes on to say there are some interesting possibilities that uh, have been mentioned, um, on the sub to fill their need and goal. For example, Jake Allen, Thatcher Demko, but I have no idea what the cost would realistically be. Allen, they might be able to get something in exchange for taking on his contract Demko would have to be the reward for taking on it like a Louis Erickson type contract yes um thoughts on re-signing Bowie and other on the fence RFAs and so pretty much anyone besides Mantha Bertuzzi Fabry I mean they're probably gonna re-sign a good chunk of them because you need bodies we can't just sit here and assume half of the Griffins are gonna come up next year we're gonna need uh, Bowie and Biega to play minutes because they just don't have six defensemen wor- worthy of playing that consistently. And that is not even factoring in injuries at all. If you sign a Bowie or a Biega or a Ernie and you end up sending them to Grand Rapids, oh, well, they're they're making close to league minimum anyway. So it's not the end of the world. Yeah, so if you weren't a fan of a lot of these guys – Pick all the ones who you would resign, and then probably add three more just for the reason of you need warm bodies. Also, it's it's going to be harder to find those, you know, well, maybe it won't be harder to find the league minimum players, but in a weird season, you're going to want as little movement as possible. It's not like any of these guys coming in in their place, unless they're, they're holding back a prospect. No one that's going to come in their place is going to shatter the world, so... If you want to give Perlini another chance and see if he can't tap into his goal scoring, yeah, absolutely do it. If you want to keep Adam Ernie because he was effective defensively, defensively, absolutely do it. If you want to keep Madison Bowie and then, you know, play him as a forward, absolutely do it. How do I feel? I don't feel strongly about Bowie, but I also recognize what he contributed offensively, so I wouldn't be mad. Uh, that's pretty much where I land on it. Um, I won't listen to any contention that he's a good defender, though. He's just blatantly not <laughs> wade Bacchus is og listener here i wanted to ask a question that would harken back to those carefree halcyon days of yore so here we go what are mitch callahan's chances of making the team next year to me oh it seemed like he provided God. needed spark to our bottom six and his shot blocking ability is uh unparalleled oh man those were the days huh the mitch oh. callahan days oh am i glad that we were right about him when everybody's like oh he's the second coming we're like guys chill he he might not actually be that good just because he's good in uh in grand rapids and here we are how many years later uh russell 18 says as we know the lotteries have not been kind to us if you could change one not this year's lottery in history and have us remain in our original spot instead of dropping which year would you choose and who would you take Fourth in 2018-2019, fifth in 17-18, or sixth in 
Okay, so six and 16, 17 would have got us Cody probably Glass. at best Cody Glass. 17, 18 was what, fifth? Yeah, they would have we taken Zadina anyways. We would have taken Zadina anyway, so that doesn't matter at all. And then it would have been fourth last year. Yeah, I go last year. Which would have landed us. Hmm, who would have still been available? So, if Turcotte went, would have been available. Yeah. Oh, no, last year for sure. Byram. Yeah. God. I was going to yeah. say Byram and Turcotte. That's the answer. I would hear an arg- I would hear an argument for Cody Glass, but I, th- I think Byram would have been the right call. Uh, a top player at a position in need. Would you still take? By- would you take Byram over Turcotte? Yes. Turcotte didn't have a poor year, but he he didn't have a year that that would scream fifth overall pick. Uh, Yarvik Seven says, "No question to ask. Just want to say thanks for keeping me sane during the great hockey drought of 2020. Hockey's back, but I can't wait till our wings get back in action in five months." Uh, Scooter O'Malley says, "What do you guys think of these extra high camera angles that we're getting? Do other markets get them every once in a while, or is this just a special situation since since they don't have to worry about blocking fans?" I like it; gives me a better sense of just how fast the game is while watching on TV. Love the pod. You uh, hit the nail on the head. It is because they have more license to do these things because there's no fans to worry about impeding their vision, and also they had to put some money into making the presentation a little better because shit's weird right now. Uh, JF Stomper says, so with no Detroit playing, who are you cheering for certain team or maybe one player you like that deserves the cup? Honestly, oh, if, if I, picking... I, I want, I like rooting for McDavid truly. Oh, are we picking a player? Yeah. Pick a player. Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that's not even a question in my mind. It's Henrik Lundqvist. I'll rattle off teams right now who I would see, be happy to see them move on. Edmonton, Nashville, Arizona, Carolina, the Rangers, Vancouver, Minnesota, uh, Winnipeg, Columbus. All of those teams, I'd be, I'd say, yeah, hell yeah, good for you. And some of them are in the same series. Sure, why not? Yeah, Henrik Lundqvist is a great answer to that one. All right, we have time for a couple uh, hashtag AskWWPs. So we will go to... Um, Intent to deceive says if Eisman decided to he if Eisman decided he needed to trade one of his core Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, or Hronik, for example, which one would you trade and why? Probably Bertuzzi because his trade values probably viewed higher than what he's actually worth as a player. Larkin and Mantha you can't get rid of because there's just nobody else in the system who will bring what they bring offensively. Zadina maybe. Uh, I think Bertuzzi is probably the most replaceable because not that it's likely and I don't think it'll happen, but you could make an argument that if everything goes right, Rasmussen or Master Simone could replace what he does in a way. I'm not saying as well as Bertuzzi does, but you could. In the interest of reducing the impact of losing that player, yeah, Bertuzzi is the answer. If you want like a hot take that says this would be the best long term for the team, you might be able to, provided nobody's willing to overpay for Bertuzzi, you might be able to flip Mantha into something extremely impactful. You would have to be certain because like Brad said, that is almost an irreplaceable level of talent. 
um, in terms of you're not going to get someone of Mantha's quality in free agency without spending a fortune or having to give up a lot in a trade. But if you flip him for the right assets, it could end up being short-term pain, long-term gain. So very few GMs I would trust to do that. Steve Eisman's one of them. Yes. All right. With that, um, Brad and I have to be off to mourn uh, Evan's departure from this city. He's just at a cottage. That's all that happened. Uh, so we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. We'd like to thank everyone for supporting the show. Uh, if you made it this far listening, thank you. For all of our uh, patrons, thank you. Our name level sponsors of the Winged Wheel podcast, the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins, Arjun Shanker, Greech, Ovechkin Stan Club, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kalen Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Charlie, uh, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Trevor Pevavar, Chris Ripley, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Simon, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, uh, Quaz and Stan Olson. Thank you all. We will see you midweek. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.